What is going on, everybody? I hope you're all having a great day, great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the ninth episode of the season. And I'm excited to take you all on this journey with me as we continue to try to find new ways to make you a smarter fantasy player. Today, I'm going to be covering my five biggest wide receiver busts in fantasy football this year. But I have a special guest today that is joining me for the second time. He is the lead content writer for an Instagram page with over 42,000 followers. I'm sure you guys already know who he is because he's been one of the best guests I've had on. He is the fastest talker I've ever had on my podcast. <laughs> he is Dom Ruggs from Fantasy Football State of Mind. What's going on, Dom? What's up, Alex? Glad to be back. Uh, I'll make sure to slow it down for you this time, just in case uh, you want to hear me a little bit better. No, I, I like it. I like it. It adds a little bit of zest. You know what I it mean? Does, it does. It does. A little bit of personality. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I got some good, I got some really good feedback on the, the personality of the guests I've had. And That's awesome. Yeah. So, no, I like it. I like it. All right. So, let's, let's jump right into it. Our five, top five wide receiver busts. Who is your number five? All right. No news, no notes to cover. So, uh, number five wide receiver bust T.Y. Hilton going at the 6.02 in 12 team leagues. All of these are half PPR. So T.Y. Hilton, he, he started training camp hurt. Um, that's never a good thing. I, I don't remember if it was like a hamstring or an ankle or whatever, but, um, I know Jason Moore from the footballers, you know, he always talks about don't draft injured players. Cause you know, that's exactly what happened with AJ Green last year, McKinnon, you know, two years ago when he was injured. So just don't draft injured players. Don't draft them coming into the season. It's a big red flag, um, especially when they're going, you know, around like in the top of the sixth round. So that, that's still a little bit too much for me to invest in a guy like that. Um, so he's coming off the season when he was hurt as well. You know, it's not just now. He, this this might be lingering, you know, for a good year now. Um, he exceeded 70% of the snaps and just five times in the 10 healthy games he had last year. So, you know, that kind of tells you even when he was, you know, quote unquote healthy, he wasn't really healthy um, because, you know, he, he only played, you know, a full set of snaps just half the time. Um, there's more starting weapons, strong weapons that they drafted this year and they're getting back healthy. So Jonathan Taylor, he's a freaking stud. He's going to be great. Um, you know, he's going to get the rock. They're going to probably run the ball a little bit more than they did last year, at least with Taylor. And then uh, Paris Campbell, he's a really big sleeper of mine. I actually like him a little bit more than their other receiver, Michael Pittman. He's also a stud that they drafted in the upcoming um, I mean, in 2020 draft. So two really good players there that T.Y. is going to have to compete with. And he hasn't really competed, you know, with a lot of, a lot of studs. Like Zach Pascal, um, Jack Doyle is like the only two, like, names of note, you know, in the last couple of years that he's really had to compete with for targets. So – a lot more, you know, target competition for him this year. Um, not only that, but there's a new quarterback in Phillip Rivers. So it's not Andrew Luck, who T.Y. Hilton's been, you know, notoriously good with. And it's not Jacoby Brissett, who they had a little bit of chemistry with last year. So with T.Y. being hurt, he's not going to be practicing with uh, Phillip Rivers, a brand new quarterback, you know. So they're only going to have a few weeks realistically to get into it and to, you know, really practice with each other. And that's not really good for continuity, especially in the COVID offseason or continuity, you know, it, it's going to be key. Um, and then, so he, he looked bad last year too. Uh, I, I remember, um, not in the first few games, but I remember one of the games he came back, like I was in a fantasy matchup, right? And I only needed like, I think it was like two or three points to win. And T.Y. was the last player. It, it sounds like it was probably a Monday night game, maybe Sunday night. 
And if he would have gotten like two points, I would have won. He just needed like one more catch. Got a good ball thrown to him. He just dropped it. Another good ball thrown to him. He just dropped it. And I, I just, oh my God, I was just so mad about that. So, um, so with that being said, he just didn't look, you know, like himself last year. And I'm not quite ready to invest in that um, this year. So if he goes off, which he very well could, he's a great player. I'm just, I'm not banking on it. So T.Y. Hilton's my number five bust. Yeah, I, T.Y. Hilton's a guy I've gone really back and forth with because, like like you said, I think the the talent of T.Y. Hilton is all right. Oh, sorry. Did you hear that? I was closing my window. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, I like the talent. Um, I think that as a talent-wise, he has the ability to be a great fantasy wide receiver, and the coach they're saying he's going to be the focal point of the offense, going to have a bounce back here, whatever, but – I think for a guy that's had a number of like hamstring and soft mm-hmm. tissue injuries, he's just not a guy I want to draft at that price. And especially like, I'd rather just take someone that has less of an injury history. And like, I just don't really get excited right. by the T Y Hilton and Phillip rivers combo. And I'd rather invest in someone with more upside around that range of Terry McLaurin or Marquis exactly. Brown, even DK. Exactly. And rather and see the soft yeah. tissue injury. It's a very good point. You know, it's not like a concussion where, you know, those don't really come back. You know what I mean? Like soft tissue injuries, they're a real threat to come back really often. Just think of like Will Fuller and his hamstring, right? Like, you know, it's going to happen again this year. It's just a matter of when. Could it happen week one? Could it happen week 10? We don't know, but it's still a lot of risk to put in for those uh, soft tissue injuries. Yeah, exactly. So my number five is a second year player, and that is Darius Slayton. He's just someone that I, I personally don't think should be drafted in, in any league this year. Well, sorry, any, any like 10-team league. Maybe 12-team league at the end of your draft, you could draft him. But, I mean, this year he's expected to really only be the Giants' deep threat. He's in an offense with Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram, who were all not banged up at different points last year and really opened it up for Slayton to get some targets. And he produced when he got the targets – but I think with all those guys healthy going into this year, I think he's in for a tough time, especially when the targets just won't be consistent, especially when he's the deep threat. He only caught five passes last year three times. Three, to- three times he caught five or more passes, and every single game besides that was four catches or less. Even though he's a deep threat, so yes, he's going to produce bigger yardage totals when, when he's catching, not catching a lot of passes, but I think that still scares me. And the other thing that scares me is the touchdown volatility with him. He had eight touchdowns last year on 48 catches. So that means that one of every six catches was a touchdown, and that's just completely unsustainable, and I just don't think he's a, a smart pick at any point in fantasy drafts this year. And I'd rather take someone with more upside that has a more open for a more sure role on an offense. Right, those uh, that one touchdown per eight catches sounds a lot of like uh, Henry Ruggs did in college. So, um, doing that at the NFL, that that's not really um, you know, realistically attainable yet again. So, regression is going to come. It depends where he's going in drafts because I can see the appeal. You know, like he's a big play guy. You know, he he looked good last year when he played. Um, but again, you know, all those weapons coming in. It, it depends where in the draft I'd be getting him. I would be okay drafting him. But I could definitely see him bust. So, and I can't really see the ceiling be, you know, crazy high because I think, you know, obviously Saquon and definitely um, Ingram, they're the two guys that I think um, Daniel Jones likes a little better. Same with Golden Tate. Sterling Shepherds are more consistent. So I can definitely see this. But I'm, yet I'm not against it in a double digit round if you want to take a shot on someone. 
Yeah, that's that's completely fair. I just don't think that in 10-team leagues, I think it's a little – it's not – I mean, unless he's like the last or second-to-last pick on your bench, I don't think he's a value. Right. Earlier on, he was going in around the ninth or 10th round. In the okay, series. yeah, that's early. And, then, and he was going above like Deontay Johnson, mm. Anthony Miller, guys like Mike Gusecki, Johnny Smith, and, and all these guys have way more upside and – are in way better roles in their their offense. Yeah, same with Kenny Ruggs. Definitely more upside as well. And now the the new uh, training camp darling Brian Edwards. Um, I would rather take a shot on them other than Slayton, who's in a credit offense for sure. So I I can definitely see a bus candidate here. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Who's your number four? Um, number four. I'm probably going to get a lot of a lot of poop from this, but uh, DeAndre Hopkins currently going at the one point one one, so eleventh pick in your draft. Um, I wanted to put Hopkins at my number five bust because, you know, he's a stud. He's a great player. He's in a good, you know, a presumably good offense. So I wanted to put him at number five because I'm not going to be like super confident on it. But I always see him going in like the mid second. But looking at like fantasy pros consensus, ADP, not rankings, average draft position, Hopkins is at the 111. So you're investing, you know, your first pick in him. And now I'm like, yeah, he, he definitely has to be, you know, a little higher than my number five bus. So, you know, why that is, is he's he has a new quarterback on a new team. And Hopkins has been really good performing with bad quarterbacks, you know, at Houston. But the difference with that is Hopkins is not a guy who thrives on efficiency, right? He's a guy who thrives on a massive target share, like a massive target share. And we're talking 30% target share. And that that's not going to happen in Arizona because there's other good weapons or like Kenyon Drake, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, passed to him a lot out of the backfield and their stint um, last year together. Um, there's Christian Kirk, who's a, you know, a really good wide receiver too. He's not quite the one we saw that last year, but he's a very capable wide receiver too. And of course, Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. Kyler also said that he thinks he can have three 1000 yard wide receivers, you know, so the aforementioned Hopkins, Kirk and Fitzgerald, and that says to me that, you know, my fears are kind of coming to fruition that the target share might not be there for Hawkins. He might not be at 30%. He might be at 25, which is still good, but you're not going to get the value for that at the 1.11. So I definitely think Hopkins, because, you know, he's a great player. He has a presumably good offense quarterback. I think he's going to be a wide receiver one. I'm not saying he's going to be a massive bust. And he's going to be like a wide receiver 25. Like he's probably going to be somewhere around that, like, wide receiver like seven eight nine maybe six and on a good day he's probably going to be around there but you don't want to invest in that in your first pick so Hopkins is going to be my number four bust based on his ADP a good player but he's not going to finish up to your expectations if you're drafting him with your first pick in the draft yeah no I totally agree with everything you're saying and I think for a guy that's going in the mid-second round he's just not worth it and there's other guys that you can take in that range and I, I don't there's really not much more for me to add you I think you completely hit it on the appreciate head. that yeah so but again not mid-second according to the consensus ADP 1.11 so late first I've that's, been seeing him in the mid-second on like those Yahoo drafts I do but like you know cons- you know but fantasy pros takes you know a lot of sites into consideration not just Yahoo so 1.11 you know he, he's probably going at the 1.8 on some of these uh, sites so that's yeah Oof. yeah exactly yeah good 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 luck to those teams <laughs> that are drafting him in the first round that's that's all i have absolutely to say. i have hopkins in one league um one league i did earlier this season like really earlier i like to do early drafts and um i got clyde edwards Lair. you know before all these um you know before damian williams opt out i'm like i'm talking like a good month or so before that opt out um i, I drafted uh, him in the third round some dude auto drafted he really needed a running back so he's like oh 
okay, I'll give you Hopkins for your Clyde edwards And I'm like, so I just got Hopkins, you know, in the mid third round. Like, I'll take that all day long. Now, looking back on it in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it because, you know, now we know what happened with Clyde. But still, that's the only share of Hopkins I have in the, my entire 2020 fantasy right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's totally agree with yep. you there. So my number four, um, unsurprisingly to hopefully a lot of people on this podcast uh, that are listening, is Stefan Diggs. Um, he had a huge QB downgrade going from Kirk Cousins to Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen was actually one of the worst deep ball passers in the NFL last year with a deep completion percentage of a super exciting 25%, which was 33rd in the NFL, not even in the top 32. Mm. There are backups that were better than him in deep completion percentage last year, which is really sad. Um, Buffalo was top, sorry, bottom 10 in pass attempts last year and with a good defense and a solid run game with Singletary and Zach Moss. I don't expect that to get any better this year. So even when Josh Allen is throwing a lot of deep passes and they're not accurate and then they're bottom 10 in pass attempts, it's just not a great spot for Diggs to be efficient. Then on top of that, last year Diggs averaged 12 yards per target, even though his career average is only 8.7. So expect I would expect that to go down a little bit, which hurts his overall yardage numbers. And the last thing that I think is, is big with Diggs is that he had less than 50 yards in half his games last year, or just under. Seven out of 15 games, he had less than 50 yards. And that's just not a guy I want to be drafting, and I'd rather be drafting more upside or someone that's a little safer in the range that he's going in right now. And I think you have him on your list too, and I just, yeah, I don't want any part of Stefan Diggs this you year. You know what, that transitions perfectly into my number three, who is Stefan Diggs, so I'll, I'll get right into it. You, you covered – a lot of what I was saying. Um, so he's going at the 6.01. So first pick in the sixth round, um, which, you know, looking back at years past, wouldn't look like bad value for Stefan Diggs since he's usually going in like the fourth. But considering everything you said, it's just it's just not a good pick. And not only that, but the thing that, you know, I, I like looking at wide receivers and like their vacated targets if they're going into new situations. The Bills don't have any vacated targets. That, that's the problem. You know, Cole Beasley's still there. John Brown's still there. Dawson Knox, you know, he, he came on a few of those games last year. He's still there. Devin Singletary's still there. They added Zach Moss. Like, there's just no vacated targets, and that's the problem. Like, where are these targets going to come from? Because um, Allen has good rapport with John Brown. Like, you saw that last year. John Brown was consistent, and same with Cole Beasley. They were two good receivers. So you add Stephon Diggs in there, who's going to be the target leader. You know, he, he's better than these guys, but – you know, Beasley and Brown, they're not going away. And that's the problem I see here, especially in this offseason. Like, I've, you know, kept beating like a dead horse. Continuity is going to be key, even with a guy as good as Stephon Diggs. So I just can't see where these targets are coming from. He's going to have, a good, like, a good few games, just like he did last year in Minnesota. He's a good player, despite Josh Allen's inaccuracies on deep balls. You know, he's going to find him a few times. That's going to happen. But I, I just think it's going to be a lot of where it was last year. Stephon Diggs is going to be a boom-bust type of guy that you're never going to be comfortable starting every single week. And I'm not going to be drafting him this year just for that reason. I'm, I'm all hands off Stephon Diggs right now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So, yeah, I, there's nothing more I can add. Um, I'm completely off Stephon Diggs this year. So you just gave your number three, three leading into that. So let me give you my number three and probably the most controversial pick I have in my entire thing for this week. And that's Cooper Cup. Yeah, I'm going to fight you um, on this I'm, one. Oh, my God. Yeah, Continue. <laughs> that, that's okay. But Cooper Cup is just completely off my 
not off my draft board, but I don't like the value that he's going at. So the big thing that I found about him is if you look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, Cooper Cup has never exceeded the 12th percentile in beating man or press coverage, which is really bad for when he plays the outside. So that means that 88% of NFL wide receivers the last every year he's been in the league have been better at beating man and press coverage, which is really bad for when he's not playing in the slot. So I, I want to note that because the, the Rams heavily shifted towards 12 personnel, which is two tight ends and no slot receiver in the second half of the season. And Cooper Cup went from averaging 10.9 targets, 7.2 catches, 99 yards, and 0.6 touchdowns in weeks one through eight where they were playing 11 personnel over 85% of the time to 5.2 targets, 4.1 catches, 38 yards, and 0.57 touchdowns in weeks 9 through 16 when they they shifted heavily towards 12 personnel. And some people might be saying, oh, well, they're probably going to stick back, like switch back to 11 personnel. I don't think they are because they didn't draft any offensive linemen. And the reason they did 12 personnel is so they could take advantage of having a bad offensive line and have some extra blockers out there. And especially with guys like Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, I think they're going to try to get those guys on the field. And the other thing that concerns me about that is, like, Cooper Cup led the NFL in slot yards. He was second in slot targets and slot receptions. And the Rams going from 80% in um, – sorry, 80% in 11 personnel all the way down to 58% in, for, the, for the season that last year. Um, from weeks nine through 16, that really concerns me in terms of Cup being able to produce because he is one of the top five fantasy wide receivers for me if he's purely just playing in the slot. But I think when they're not going to be running the having the slot, he just won't succeed, especially according to that reception perception thing. And the last thing I want to mention is that Cup is being drafted as the wide receiver 14 and a half PPR, where Woods is going as the wide receiver 18. And I think that Woods is just safer because he's been a top 15 wide receiver the last two years. And I think he's just a lot safer than, than Cup. And that's why I think Cup will be a bust at his ADP when you can get Woods a round or two later. You make a lot of good points. Uh, I'll give you that. There is stuff I like to look a little bit deeper in. I do like Woods a lot. You know, he, he's one of my guys this year. I love him, especially based on you know, his value. I've got him in a sixth round sometimes. But Cup, I like him better. Uh, I believe Cup is my wide receiver 10 this year. He was a wide receiver overall four last year. He was a wide receiver four, and he's at the 15 right now. Just looking at those numbers, like, that's a pretty big discrepancy. So people are afraid of what you were talking about, right? And for good reason. But there's a lot of things that we need to take into consideration here. So right after their bye week, Cup was hurt. Something was wrong. Something we don't know. He went from getting these targets in all these games, 10, 9, 12, 15, 17, 6, 8, 10, bye week, all the way down to four and three with zero points in one of those games. Like, that's not good. So um, something was definitely up. This was before, I believe, Tyler Higby went off and they really switched to um, to uh, 12 personnel. So I think a lot of the reason they did that is because something was just wrong with Cup. Like, he was hurt. Something was up. I don't know what it is. I think – I don't – there was something I remember him saying. He tweaked something, like, way back when. I don't know if there's any, like, documentation on that, but – so after that zero-point game, he didn't do bad. So there was a game where he scored eight points and nine points. 
After that, Cup did good. He probably felt a little better. He played 98% of the snaps on the next game. So his points after that were 18, 14, 16, 13, and 22 to finish the season. That was them, you know, that was with them running their 12 personnel. So he can do it. And the best part about that is who's gone? Who who just left the Rams? Brandon Cooks, right? He was the guy who was playing alongside Robert Woods in those 12 personnel sets. So who are they going to put in there? Josh Reynolds? No. Are they going to put in Van Jefferson, the rookie? No. It's going to be Cooper Cup. And even if he's not good at beating man or press coverage, I have faith in Sean McVay to utilize Cup in the correct ways. Cup has always been a beast when he's been playing. He has never performed poorly. He has been hurt a few times, but every time he's on the field, except for that one dead game this year, Cup has been a beast. They're going to find ways to make him integrate into the offense. Cup is the red zone guy. If I had to bet on one person to get 10 touchdowns this year, it would be Cup and, and Devontae Adams, of course. But Cup is going to get his. Even in like the Eagles, they're like the highest um, running 12 personnel in the entire league. I think they only do it like 48% of the time. So that's at least 50% of the time where Cup is actually going to be in the slot. I have faith in Sean McVay that he's going to utilize Cup in the right ways. And who better to bet on than the offense that throws the ball more to anyone in football than the Rams? They are the leading passers, them and the Falcons. So uh, there's going to be a lot of passes to go around. I'm seeing over 600 again, yet again, for sure. Cup is going to be on the field near 100% of the time like he was before because the Brandon Cooks, you know, him leaving is a big thing for me because there's no other wide receiver that's going to play that role. So Cooper Cup for me, I I see him as a top 10 wide receiver. I don't think he's a bust. I see the hesitation. I really do. I sympathize with that. I get it. But – I just have faith, man, like for all the reasons I just said and more, like I wrote an article on that a, um, a few months ago um, that I think people should check out if they can. So Cooper Cup, I don't think he's a bust, but I can definitely see the hesitation. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll agree to disagree there. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think you made some good points. I think I made some good points. So absolutely go either way. But I think the work. At the end of the day, I think the way I feel on Cup is I think you made some amazing points, but I think I made some solid points. And where he's going in like the third or fourth round, I would rather just take someone that is a little safer and more guaranteed than Cup. But Cup could be one of the best draft values if he continues to produce like he does when he's the slot full-time slot guy. Right. So Let me ask you a question. Would you draft him in the fifth round in 10-team leagues? Fifth round – yeah yes see that's where he's going on yahoo is fifth round i get him there almost every draft i can fifth round every time okay so Uh, yeah i would take him around the the fifth round but i wouldn't take him at the wide receiver 14 he's being drafted at and according to fantasy pros okay i feel let's see i would because he's my wide receiver 10 so that's definitely where we disagree which is good you know it sparks good debate you don't want to be like yeah i agree on everything you know what i mean so it's definitely good for this yeah for sure all right, so who is your number two? My number two, Keenan Allen. He is currently going at the 4.12 in 12-team ladies consensus ADP. Um, I made a post on this a few days ago, and people didn't like it. Like, people love Keenan Allen, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why I don't. So most fantasy players, they have this notion that Keenan Allen is a consistent wide receiver because of his high reception totals. Like, you look at the end of the season, there are 100-plus receptions every time. That looks really good, right? Well, if you look into it, like his game by game consistency doesn't say that. Like he'll get, you know, 10 catches, 13 catches one game, then he'll get like four or five in the next. So those 100 catches at the end of the season, they don't necessarily mean that he's going to be consistent every single week. You know, you can divide it in half with the math. You can do it week by week, but that's not the case. You know, you have to look at it by a game by game. Like Mike Taglier of the Fantasy Pros podcast, he made a really good point. 
saying that fantasy isn't uh, a year-long game, right? It's a week-to-week game. That's how we play this game. You don't add up everyone's points at the end of the season, and that's the winner. It's a week-by-week game, so it's really important to find guys who can't kill you like Keenan Allen can on some of these. So having him be consistent is a false narrative. And he's a streaky player, and he has stretches of games where he's the best fantasy football wide receiver like he was last year. He, he went absolutely bananas like the first month of the year last year. But six games after that, six games, that's a full month and a half of games after that, his best score was 12 in full PPR, 12. And that's like being generous because there were like four games that had like four points, three points, five points. So, like, you can't have, you know, your wide receiver to do that for you. Like, he's going to kill you. Um, Tyrod Taylor, he's a perceived to be the starting quarterback for the Chargers for the time being. He's never threw for over 436 passing attempts in his career. So, to put that in perspective, in 2019, the league average in passing attempts was around 490. That was like Deshaun Watson. In fact, <laughs> Tyrod's career high in pass attempts would have ranked 26th in the league last year. 26. Like, that's really, really, really low if, you know, anyone's keeping track. The Chargers aren't going to let Tyrod air it out as much and because that's just not his strong suit. You know, they're going to be a run-first team. They draft another running back in the class, and they still have really good weapons around him, like Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, who's going to command a good target share. Like, those guys are going to be integrated in the offense, you know, really well. They're four really good players right there. Keaton Allen should lead them, you know, in targets and um, – you know, percentages, but it's not going to matter when there's going to be a hundred less attempts than there was last year when Phillip Rivers is the quarterback, you know, because he, Phillip Rivers can't do anything. He can't run out of the pocket like Tyrod can to create time. You know, he's going to check it down to Austin Eckler. He's going to check it down to Keenan Allen while Tyrod might take off. He might, you know, do something else with it. So that's just not who the Chargers are. And I I feel like, you know, at the end of the fourth round, you're not going to be happy with Keenan Allen. They're like, give me Cooper Cup again. Give me even Robert Woods. Give me so many other guys other than Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark. I can go on and on and on who I would rather have over Keenan Allen just because this offense is not predictive. And based on everything, you know, I've said, if he was inconsistent last year and the years before with Phillip Rivers, he's going to probably be even more consistent with Tyrod. Like he's a talented player, really, really talented real life player. But I just, I see kind of like a Stefan Diggs season with him, like we were talking about. There's going to be ups and downs. But I don't want to go along for that ride again. I just can't do it. I've done it three straight years with Keenan Allen, and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I totally agree with everything you said. I think you completely hit it on the head. So, excuse me. <laughs> my number two, my number two bust is Amari Cooper. So, Amari Cooper last year only outproduced Michael Gallup by 13 catches, 82 yards, and two touchdowns. But do you know what the funny thing about that is? What's that? Cooper played two more games. (laughs) So Gallup had over 1,100 yards, over 1,000 yards last year, and Cooper only outproduced him by 82 yards, 13 catches, and two touchdowns, even though Cooper played two more games. And beyond that, adding CeeDee Lamb into the offense and Blake Jarwin, who I think will be more productive than Jason Witten was last year. I think that that really hurts Cooper's value. Another thing about Cooper, he only averaged 0.2 more fantasy points per game in half PPR than Michael Gallup, 15.4 to 15.2. He had seven games of less than 50 yards. And you could say, oh, well, like, Maybe those games that he had less than 50 guards, maybe he had like some touchdowns or something like that. He scored one touchdown in those seven games of less than 50 yards. So when he had those dud weeks, 
you were really hurting. And he might be better in a best ball format where he can put up 40 points or something crazy like that. But I think when he's only out producing Michael Gallup by 0.2 points in, in half PPR per game, I think that really hurts his value. When Cooper's going in around the fourth round and Gallup is going in sometimes the seventh or eighth round. So a three or four round difference even though Cooper's averaging only 0.2 more fantasy points per game. And that that just really scares me, and that's why I want to stay away from Cooper completely at his ADP when you can get a much better value later in the draft with Michael Gallup. Absolutely. I, I agree with a lot there. Um, Cooper is a guy I am split on. Like, I'm not as passionate about defending him as I am Cooper Cup, but I see, I, I see there's a path for not just upside here, but a path for actual, you know, week-by-week relevance. Like, he was hurt you know, in the last half of that season when he really sucked, right? Like, he was, like, was he, like, the number three or number two best wide receiver in fantasy for those first, like, month and a half? I don't know. But, like, he was visibly hurt after that. He said he was hurt. So, you can, you know, base a narrative around that saying, like, oh, he was just a decoy the last half of the season. Like, the first half is really what you're looking at. And and that's why I'm not, you know, super passionate on it, like Cooper Cup. Like, I have numbers to back up why Cooper Cup is still going to be good. With Cooper, you, you don't have numbers. You have narrative. Um, so I'm not off Amari Cooper, but I'm definitely not on him either. And Witten and Cobb, they have, I think they both have like 83 targets each, like that are leaving the team and CeeDee Lamb, he, he's not going to get, you know, 160 plus targets in his rookie year. You just can't say that. So Cooper might be a little bit more targeted this year. You can base that around numbers, but then again, what if he is just an inconsistent player? Like we've seen his whole career. So I'm definitely not against him, but I'm not all on him either. Like I will draft him at a value, but I'm not going to be reaching for Cooper. Yeah, I, I think that you made a good point there. And you could say, oh, well, Cooper was like the number three guy in the first half. But that was because he had an 11-catch, 226-yard game in week five, oh, including wow. a touchdown against the Packers. So I made the point about less than 50 receiving yards, even though he was like the number three guy in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. He had less than 50 yards in three out of the first six weeks of the season. Oh, wow. So that really so, inflated his numbers in that one game. Exactly. It really inflated his numbers in that game. And then in week 10, he had 147 yards and a touchdown against the Vikings. So I think like, yeah, I think that one huge game he had last year really skewed his numbers. Like someone like Sammy Watkins was a top 10 wide receiver for the first like six or seven weeks because he had that that week one. Right. Right. So I think the volatility with Cooper, even when he was hurt. So even whether he was hurt or he wasn't hurt, like, he still was having these inconsistent games on a week-to-week basis. Definitely. And um, I think I made a lot of the points for Keenan Allen. It's probably similar to why I don't like Cooper. Yeah. And the only reason I'm somewhat defending Cooper here is because of the offense. Like, Dallas was the best, you know, most efficient offense last year with a ton of uh, a ton of passing volume. And, and that's kind of why I'm defending Cooper a little more than I would Allen. Like, give Cooper's offense 100 less targets like Keenan Allen's will be, like Stephon Diggs, you know, probably will be, then I'm off of him, you know? So the only reason I'm a little bit okay with taking Cooper if he goes to a nice place is just because of that great offense with the predictive high passing volume. Yeah, that's fair. Who's your number one for the busts? My number one, uh, I know you agree with this as well. My number one is Cortland Sutton. Yes, sir. Cortland Sutton, number one. I want you to guess his ADP. Where is Cortland Sutton going right now in full point? No, sorry, half point PPR, Fantasy Pros consensus ADP. Where is he going? 
Uh, I bet he's going around probably the late third, early fourth round. That's my four, guess. Four point six. Oh, so he's going early, right? He's going the mid fourth round. He's going a good, you know, especially if you're like again drafting on you know some of these other platforms. He's probably going a good round ahead of Robert Woods, right? And Robert Woods is going to smash him this year. So this uh, the reason he was so good last year is because he was the only guy in town, right? They didn't have a good receiver. They didn't really have a great running game. Philip Lindsay's a good player, but he's he's not a great overall running back, right? He's not a good pass catcher. That's the main thing. Like another thing, I, never mind. I'm not going to talk about that. I was just going to say that you know, just because you're small doesn't mean you're a good pass catcher. A lot of people seem to think that with like De- Devin Singletary as well, who was like the worst last year in pass catching efficiency. But I I, I digress. Um. They added Gordon, Judy, Hamler, and Alberto, and a possible emergence from Fant. You know, we usually see a good third-year emergence from these tight ends or second-year emergence from these tight ends. In 2019, Sutton actually performed worse with Drew Locke as the quarterback compared to the combination of Flacco and Allen. Over two points per game difference. That's a big difference. You know, you take two points per game, times that by 16. You know, that's that 32 less points in the season, you know, if you were just counting Drew Locke's points from last year. I don't know how far that would have dropped um, Sutton in the overall rankings, but you have to look at that kind of stuff. You have to look at who his quarterback is going forward. Um, But the biggest argument I make here is I believe Judy is a better player. I I do. I believe he's a better player now. I believe, you know, in 2021, he's going to fully take over that one role. And people freak out about that. You know, they freak out about that because they see Sutton. They saw him be a good player last year, and he is a good player. He's a good NFL player. But there's a better guy that's coming in who has, you know, who's been taken over a round over him in NFL draft. Cortland Sutton was a mid second round. Judy was a mid first and he probably should have been an early first. The Raiders probably should have taken him first. So just because, you know, he's been there, it doesn't mean that necessarily he's going to retain that one spot. If there's a guy that's better coming in, he's probably going to take that spot over sooner rather than later. So, you know, they obviously felt like he wasn't enough and that's why they added Judy in because they wanted a legitimate one-two punch. And I think Judy is going to be that 1A to Sutton's 1B come late this year, come early next year. So especially in those crucial, crucial fantasy playoffs, Sutton might fall off and you might be playing Judy off your waiver wire instead of Sutton. So I'm just not on Sutton this year, especially at this price. This price is way too high. So Cortland Sutton's my number one bust based on not only ADP like a lot of these other guys were, but just in general. I think I have him as like my wide receiver 32 or something like that, just off the top of my head. So... Cortland Sutton, number one bust for me. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You nailed it on the head. Cortland Sutton is a guy that I will not own in any league. I don't care where he's going. Like, I, unless he falls to, like, the ninth or tenth round, which he won't do, I'm, he's just off <laughs> my draft board, honestly. There's always guys with more upside, um, guys with better quarterback situations, less weapons in their offenses. He's just, yeah, I'm staying away from Cortland Sutton. Right, so, and the, the – the one thing that sold me on like Jerry or Judy too, I remember like watching some of his games, some of his highlights is, uh, and they've talked about this in Broncos camp yesterday. Like right now is when all the preseason hype's coming around with the, you know, the off season. They're like his deceleration, how he goes from full speed to no speed is something that they haven't seen before. And honestly, it's something I've never seen before either. So if you haven't, you know, in a listeners or even you yourself, if you haven't seen a video of Judy taking that bomb, hauling it in on the sideline, full speed and literally just stopping on a dime and juking the guy to the right and then going to the left for a touchdown. You need to watch that. He actually stepped out of bounds. So it wasn't a touchdown, but if you, if you somehow look up, you know, that, that catch and tell me that you're not impressed by that and he's not going to be a stud in the league, then I don't know what to tell you. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that video? 
I have not. You need to look at that video right after this and talk to me about it because it is just it's something I haven't seen before in a wide receiver, how he goes from full speed to just stopping so fast. It's just crazy. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. He's not someone that that I'm gonna be targeting um this year. And yeah, I, I think that sorry, not I'm talking about Sutton, but but yeah, yeah, no. is a guy that I think could really take away some targets. And they also drafted KJ Hamler for the slot. Melvin Gordon's going to catch passes. Philip Lindsay might catch passes. Oh, and Noah Fant's still there. Like, they just have – and the defense is really good, so they're just not going to have the passing volume. And yeah, it's not going to the target share. And I think Judy could be a guy that could actually produce pretty well. And Cortland Sutton's just not worth the fourth-round draft price that he's going in. When yeah, Sutton and Judy could outproduce him. <laughs> so – yeah. Yeah, going on like the 10th plus round. And I didn't even think about the defense. Like, you're getting Bradley Chubb back. Like, that's a big deal, you know? Like, he's a great player that we didn't get to see. So, um, I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, the passing volume might even might even be down this year. So, good call on that one. Yeah. So, my number one um, bust this year is Mike Evans. Um, according to Fantasy Pros, he's being drafted as the wide receiver eight and a half PPR. And the reason I don't like Evans as a bust, I think, is not because he's a bad player. Like, this guy's had 1,000 yards in all six of his seasons. But last year, he only had five games where he scored more than 12 points in half PPR. And I think Winston's going to throw the ball more downfield than Brady will. Mike Evans was a wide receiver two or better in only 38% of his games. Do you know who matched that number? 38 there's gonna be someone going undrafted isn't it um christian but kirk. Let, let, okay yeah <laughs> christian kirk christian kirk had wide receiver two better games at the same rate as mike evans i mean, mike evans had a couple games with like he had three games over 30 points mm-hmm. but i i just think the week-to-week consistency is just not there and he's being drafted as the wide receiver eight which is the guy that you're relying on as your wide receiver one they're supposed to be the best player for you every week and there's going to be weeks when Mike Evans is definitely the best wide receiver for you, but there's going to be weeks when he's a complete dud. And I think Gronk in the offense also takes away some Evans' red zone targets and just targets in general. And I just think that he won't have the week-to-week consistency. And I think the last thing that's important is that the Bucks led the NFL in pass attempts last year. They're sorry, not led. They were top three in the NFL in pass attempts last year. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think they're going to do that again. And I think that, uh, yeah, I just don't like the value of Mike Evans when you can get other guys that are safer in that range. And I just don't think that the consistency that you need is going to be there. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I can, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you now. Can you Did hear you me? Hear yeah. I, I heard some of that. You, you, you lost connection for like 10 seconds. Oh, Okay. Well, I'll just go over a couple of quick hitters real quick. Okay. We'll, we'll keep going. Um, Mike Evans was only a wide receiver, two or better, in only 38% of his games last year, which is a number that Christian Kirk matched. Gronk's in the offense now, which is going to take away red zone targets, potential touchdowns, and targets in general. And I just think that he won't have the week-to-week consistency when the Bucks were top three in the NFL in pass attempts last year, and they just won't do that again with Tom Brady and a defense that I think is going to be heavily improved this year. Right, I think you make a lot of good points. Um, Evans is kind of like Cooper for me. Like, I'm not against him, but I'm not all for him either. Like, if he drops to a good spot, I'll take yeah. him. He He's my wide receiver 13. Um, okay. You make a lot of good points. Like, I'm not taking him at his wide receiver 8. Like, if he's going at wide receiver 8 every time, I won't have him on any of my teams. But 
I think some of the people are kind of catching up to this because I have him as my wide receiver three in the fourth round a few times. Again, Yahoo ADP is kind of whack. You can get a really good teams on there. Um, so maybe that's a little bit different. But if he's going as a wide receiver eight, I'm not having it. Um, you can make the case that Tom Brady's targets are going to be better than Winston's. So he, he's not going to miss him on a lot of these easy looks like Winston has. Um, you can make that case. Um, again, a thousand yards in every single season. So you know he's going to produce. It's just when is he going to produce? And that's the same problem with a lot of these guys we talked about today, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper. It's just a matter of when are they going to produce? Um, and that's the worst part about Evans. So I won't take him as my wide receiver one, maybe not as my two. Um, but, you know, if he falls to the right spot, I will take him. But I'll say I'm probably a little more inclined to taking Cooper than I am Evans. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, with that, that is our each of our top five wide receiver busts. So, um, Dom, thank you again for coming on, and I'd love to have you on again and sometime soon for sure. Of course, uh, man. It was a really good, really good time again. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you want to plug or anything that you're working on that you want to let the listeners know about? Yeah, so um, if you guys don't follow us on Instagram, uh, you can follow us, um, no spaces, no underscores, at Fantasy Football State of Mind. Um, if you click the link in our bio, we have a premium service where for $10 a month uh, for a renewable subscription, you can get, you know, five articles a week by me, um, our, my coworker, Dylan Tice, Sky Gawasco from the TCK podcast and our editor, Gabe from um, FF Bolt of Purple. Y'all do really good work there. Um, we're going to be starting, um, you know, a schedule in the season where all of us are going to, you know, have some really fun pieces for you guys. So hopefully you guys can check that out and subscribe to us and uh, you can get really good fantasy advice on there. Yeah, totally agree. Well, thank you again for coming on. And for anyone that's still listening, uh, I'm at fresh.fantasy on Instagram. And if you're list whatever platform you're listening on, view or any feedback, I'm always looking to try to make this podcast the best as possible. And thank you so much for listening. So I hope you all have a great rest of your day.